Manchester. Stopped by Platt. And here's Steve Bold. And it's Adams put through by Bold. Would you believe it? That sums it all up. Good evening and welcome back to the brand new football podcast that sums it all up. This is your host Alfie Steiner. I hope you are well. It's certainly nice that the international break is now over. We can all return our focus to the domestic football we all know and love, unless you lose 1-0 to Manchester City. Last week's show saw my lovely guests Johnny Rosen and I thrash out all things Arsenal related. You can find that rendition of the podcast on freshair.radio or on my Mixcloud. Link will be in the description on whatever platform you are listening this, listening to this. And yes, there will be some Arsenal chatter on today's podcast in light of Arsenal's 1-0 loss to Manchester City yesterday. But there were, luckily, fortunately for us, there were some excellent games on yesterday. So my guest and I will discuss discuss, dissect and delve deep into Saturday's four Premier League fixtures, briefly preview Sunday's games, i.e. today is the day of recordings games, and look ahead to the return of the Champions League over the coming week. Do let us know if you're tuned in. You can find me on Twitter at AlfieSteiner1. If you've got any questions, comments or anything else you fancy, drop me a tweet, drop me a message and I'll make sure to address it in next week's show. Anyway, today, Sunday the 18th of October for me, and you'll be listening on Tuesday the 20th of October. The Premier League is back. European football is fast upon us. There's plenty to talk about, plenty to preview, review and debate. And with me today, we welcome onto the podcast none other than Mr. Max Acas, or, or, or as he was once named on one of his social media accounts back in the day. And he'll have to remind me of this. Max Guna something rather, I think it was. Welcome, Max. Good evening, my friend. How are we on this fine October Eve? I'm doing well. It's been a great weekend of football so far. Yeah, lots to talk about. Um, Lots to talk about. We'll get on to the Arsenal game, but there were both positives and negatives to take from it. But yeah, it was a really cracking game, game week, um, especially in the context of, you know, it's always quite nice to come back to the Premier League. And you're like, oh, it's going to be really exciting. And then when it is actually really exciting, you're like, this is why we hate the international break and yeah. we love the Premier League. Especially starting off with that Merseyside derby, which was... Yeah, mate, it was crazy. It was a bit, a bit of a madness, but I guess we're getting a bit used to these, these, these stupidly crazy games. But just before we get into the football, how are you? How's, uh, how's Brighton Town treating you? Yes, yeah, it's, right it's, it's obviously a, it's a strange time to be at university. It's a strange time, yeah, to be at university in inverted commas. I've been playing football recently quite a lot, but then someone on my team tested positive, so oh no, I'm try to That's not... be at home a little bit, be careful. Mate, um, stay at home, stay safe and save lives. That's what you're doing, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm doing. But yeah, no, it's 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 just strange, but I'm enjoying it. And uh, I've got a good house over here. Good, good yeah. people. Um, so Excellent. Wonderful. Um, and how did you find the, the international break? I'm, I'm sure you're as relieved as I am that uh, the Premier League and, and normal football, normal service has resumed. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean... England have been pretty shocking to watch, to be honest. Um, it just, you know what? I tuned into one of the England games, and it it reminded me of just why I never really care about watching England. It was just dull. No, I mean, I, I only look forward to the big competitions, but all these games that kind of split up the Premier League. It just, especially the contrast between the drama of the Premier League and yeah. the dullness of the international break. It's yeah, not for me. But at least we had to fill that void, the excitement 
of Thomas Party arriving. Absolutely. And um, Absolutely. yeah, I, yeah, I used up those two weeks watching plenty of Party <laughs> videos. Also, all the social media content on the Arsenal page. Oh, You've got to love it. Um, a little bit embarrassing at times, but you know we have a right to be excited. I think. I don't. I don't know if if you've had the pleasure of watching. Um... The music artist Doneo's new uh, Thomas Party uh, song, yeah. <laughs> Thomas Party Doneo. Yeah, slightly embarrassing. You know that's Arsenal fans for you. But you know what? You got to embrace it. <laughs> yeah, we're great, aren't we? So, <laughs> such good lads. But yeah, no, it's it, it's great to be back to to normality. I mean, to be fair, yeah. we've got about I think four weeks, and then there's another international break. I was very close to swearing there, but we don't swear online because I abide by the <laughs> fresh air rules. So that's, that's very nice. Tricky, well done, me. Avoid it. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, uh, the international break, uh, to be fair, I did quite like, because in the normal football context, I'm so absorbed and obsessed with, you know, I'm constantly reading, uh, uh, listening, checking Twitter, I'm addicted to Twitter <laughs> Yeah. and fancy football and it was quite a nice pause to be honest and i felt slightly um, slightly slightly reinvigorated uh when it a few days ago and i was like right now it's it's we're back and i've had a, yeah. a, a breath of fresh air and um <laughs> no yeah, i definitely so. definitely needed a little break from fantasy needed to regroup the lads because it's been yeah a start. if any if you don't know it's, we've got a kind of a, a league from school and i'm languishing at the, the bottom of the table right now um, it's been a so, tough start for everyone, though. I've had I, yeah. I had a good couple of game weeks, and then it, it went uh, pear shaped. And I know. Oh, and you, so we're, anyway, we're not going to get into it because okay. I could spend Sorry. a whole yeah. hour just absolutely venting my frustrations and, <laughs> yeah. and all sorts. Anyway, before we get into into the into the into the meaty the meaty part of the podcast, just want to do a nice, quick, and official introduction to you on the on the podcast because I'm sure you'll be back at some point if all goes well. Me and well, I'll call you Max, but I, I, I know you as ACAS. So ACAS and I's Arsenal connection goes back quite a long way now. Both big gooners growing up in our respective households. Became good mates at secondary school. Had the pleasure of accompanying him to the Emirates on plenty of occasions. And was it? It's probably the period spanning, what, 2013, 14 season to like 15, 16. So a good couple couple yeah. seasons of uh, getting the call up from, from ACAS on a Wednesday I evening uh, to those Champions League games. Oh. How, yeah, how God, there were there were some there were some some bad nights. What, what will we do to be struggling in the Champions League again? Hey, um, yeah, it's 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 very true. It's far rather <laughs> that than playing Rapid Vienna at five fifty-five this Thursday. Yeah, we'll come on to there. You. We are yeah. we are where we are. Anywho, back to back to Acas and I's uh, football footballing career and our, our friendship <laughs> based around football. Uh, yeah, we used to play together for the UCS four teams. What 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 days out those were? Battling out on FIFA fifteen, watching Arsenal together. As you say, there's been some great days and absolutely terrible days. I remember in that 2013-14 season, I came to yours to watch both. Arsene Wenger's a thousandth game in charge where we lost 6-0 to uh, Chelsea and we also lost was it 5-0 to 5-1 to Liverpool change in that season I remember we were we were top and then we, we yeah, as man. always crumbled and Capit- capitulated you know. and crumbled and and yeah. well d- did, did what we um, were classically renowned for doing um, but yeah as 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 you can imagine uh, we always have plenty to talk about football-wise, so it's a pleasure to have you on to the podcast. I'm sure you'll be a regular fixture, and thank you very much for joining me. So, yesterday's fixtures, Saturday, 
Did you? Uh, well, which ones did you watch? Did you watch all of them? Um. Well, yeah. I, I so I watched the Liverpool game, of course, um, which was great. But then I, I was I wasn't willing to fork out that fourteen ninety five. Um, hey, bargain! Them. Why didn't you do that? Yeah, and it it was a great game in the end, but I, I can't I can't do that fourteen ninety five, and then also for the United game later. I'm not paying that much to watch Chelsea and United play. You know, no, Chelsea right. was, was good in the end. But I've watched the highlight. I mean, it's classic Chelsea, really. I think it's obviously good for them that Werner and Havertz getting off the mark, especially Werner. Um, Absolutely. Give them a lot of confidence going forwards. But they look so shaky at the back. I mean, that second goal from Southampton. Mate, well, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll, we'll get on to it. Um, just for our okay. listeners, we're so yes, yesterday, which was Saturday, that was the early kickoff Merseyside derby between Liverpool and Everton that ended 2 2. Uh, Chelsea Southampton, which ended three apiece, then Arsenal lost one nil to Manchester City at the Etihad, and United managed to thump Newcastle at St James. Well, it's not even St James Park anymore, isn't it? The Sports Direct Stadium or something like that. Yeah, four <laughs> um, one with a late flurry of goals from the excellent Bruno Fernandez and Marcus Rashford. But we'll get on to that. Uh, the obvious place to start for us, as we're both big Arsenal fans would be Arsenal, mm-hmm. but we're actually going to start with the Merseyside derby. Uh, ended 2-2, as I said, albeit with a late Liverpool winner being ruled out by virtue of a hair-length offside. I, my head was in my hands because it was such a great game, such intense energy, such a brilliant sporting spectacle. And then mm-hmm. you have, you know, just at the margin of the... Uh, I can't remember who it was. Was it was it uh, Robertson Mane. or Mane? Yeah, Mane offside, uh, played a delightful ball into Mane, Henderson. Yeah. And then he... A shoulder offside and it was disallowed and it ended 2-2. Perhaps a fair reflection. I thought Liverpool were slightly more deserving of a win, but, you know, spoil shared. Perhaps that's that's what was meant to happen. Just wanted to talk about Liverpool quickly. Mane was back in after his COVID test. Him and Salah's goals were both excellent. Those two just really are quite something. Uh, every time I watch Mane, to be fair, he just looks, I, I know you've said this before, he looks so dangerous and Salah can obviously pop up with a goal out of nowhere. You see a strike yesterday, how cleanly he hits it. But those two are excellent. Van Dijk's injury, slightly worrying for them. There's been new, well, rumours that he might be out for six, seven months, uh, seven to eight months, sorry, with a with an anterior cruciate ligament. So that would be, along with Alisson, who I think will come back soon from injury, slightly troubling times for them at the back, perhaps. Uh, Thiago as well went for a scam for his knee after that horrendous tackle from Richarlison but he was named man of the match an excellent performance from him what did you make of Liverpool overall yesterday um, were they unlucky to not win the game and mm. then we'll get on to the to the talking points in terms of the shocking challenges and, and goals and whatnot but yeah your general sense of, of Liverpool yesterday yeah I, I don't know I think I think the game actually panned out how I would have expected it because um, Liverpool obviously dominated possession most of the time looked the stronger side but Everton stayed in the game got their couple of goals when they when they needed to um, mm. but I think it also shows that you know Liverpool last season were just imperious every single game mm. whoever it was but it does show that they, they can be competed with this season and Everton did that yesterday I think Liverpool were unlucky things could have definitely gone the other way but but, you know, I think um, Everton did what they had to do. They need You always need a bit of luck against Liverpool, and that's what they had. Um, and Calvert-Lewin popped up again. And you, knew, you know that he was sizing, sizing the other defenders up, and he's always yeah. got them for that header. Um, Mate, that, really that leap, I mean, it's, it's a compliment to him, but I actually, you know, it's such a, a relevant compliment to him that 
he he the way he hangs in the air when he jumps for a header it is the only person I've seen do it like him is Ronaldo, Ronaldo. and yeah. he is so dominant and powerful with his leap and the way that he he leapt yesterday and planted that header down into the bottom left corner sort of across the keeper it was a really excellent goal proper old school just brilliant center forward play um, yeah. And you know, I was watching it with a few of my, a few of the boys, and we were all just round of applause. We absolutely loved it, and obviously in the context <laughs> of Calvert Lewin, sort of, you know, just he scored in every game he's played. I'm pretty sure this season, and yeah. you know, he made his England debut. Lord, he, yeah. you know, I, I don't think Everton are, are a team that necessarily inspire people to be like sort of resentful about them. I think people quite like Thanks. Everton. People like Hamas Rodriguez. Carlo Ancelotti is quite a, an ins- inspirational character. It's quite nice to have him in the Premier League. So I think people in quite enjoy Everton's resurgence under him. But I just want to talk quickly about, we spoke about Calvert-Lewin's header, get on to a couple of tackles. Obviously, Richarlison got sent off for the tackle against Thiago. Jordan Pickford, who I think I was saying yesterday, if I was an Everton fan and Pickford was my starting keeper, I think at one point I probably would have quite liked him. He'd be that, you know, class clown sort of figure. He's he's, he's a good player. He's, he's very, sort of takes himself very seriously, but actually will make a mistake too many. But I think he he's a liability. And I really, really disliked that tackle yesterday. Just obviously, in, a, in an objective sense, it was a terrible challenge. But the way that he just absolutely took Van Dijk out, um, and now you know we could see one of the best defenders in the league, well, the best centre back in the league, out for perhaps the duration of the season. Um, hopefully not. But then nothing, nothing, nothing given by the ref because uh, he was deemed offside. What do you think about that tackle? Uh, and should he have been, I mean, penalised for it? Well, yeah, no, I think yesterday's game summed up. Pickford quite well actually and I think it showed that you know that he made some outstanding saves actually he did, his he did. Were, were really good but I think but that's I think why right he's now, good isn't he yeah and obviously as a, as a keeper you you can't make mistakes um but but I do think that he's a little bit nervous at the moment under a lot of pressure a lot of people don't agree with him he put in the England team I think Southgate's shown him a bit of faith but I also wonder whether Ancelotti might at some point just want to take him out of the limelight a little bit, a little bit like Maguire actually at United. Mm, yeah, um, he did get a goal yesterday, but like Pickford's looking a bit, he's a little bit shaky at the moment. And I feel like, I feel like that challenge on Van Dyke wasn't. I know he he does he does have this air about him, Pickford's where he's kind of um, looks a bit ratty sometimes. Um, but I think he was actually just a bit nervous. I think that challenge on Van Dyke was mm. he panicked. He panicked, and I don't think he was malicious. Yeah. Um, mm. But obviously controversial obviously it happened after an offside decision had been given i don't know what you thought about that um, well i i'm you know my uh, you were watching the replays and we were thinking oh could it be a penalty maybe van dyke was onside and then obviously it was it was deemed offside and there was no card and then my first question was well players can still get yellow cards and red cards you know yeah. after half time full time whatever Surely, if that's a, a really dangerous tackle, and it was, it was high. Van Dyke's leg was planted. As you say, it did look like he was panicked, and I can give him some sort of sympathy with that. It was early doors. I think Everton were one nil down at that point, and mm-hmm. obviously Pick has been under a lot of pressure. So I could see why he might want to fly out the blocks like that, just sort of a rush of blood to the head. But when you actually look back at that tackle, and you 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 can contextualize what Jordan Pickford is like. We know he's reckless and 
rash and can can make big mistakes. But this was a, you know, he 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 might have seriously injured Van Dijk, and so I I I think. He's very lucky to escape a red card. I would have liked to have seen at least a yellow for that because I understand maybe it's it's early in the game, but I don't really understand why he doesn't he didn't get uh you know VAR didn't review that and and be in the referee's ear and say that this this guy's put in a really dangerous tackle. You know, it, I, I don't think it was necessarily as obviously bad as uh, Richarlison's, which really made me feel a bit sick. I thought it was a disgusting yeah. tackle. And I'm, you know, yeah, I'm terrible. good yeah. that he that he went. But yeah, Welcome slightly unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, mate, you, you're so good yeah. in the Bundesliga, mate. Well, you just come here and see yeah. see how you fare. You're gonna snap your legs in half. <laughs> and he was lucky. No, in all seriousness, though, he was very lucky that he, he yeah. you know, it's sort of like the Richarlison's studs sort of scraped off his shin. If it had been a more I don't know you have mm-hmm. to say robust tackle because that makes it sound like it was a good tackle. It could have been some serious consequences, but I, really, I mean, was I it... really, something I think we're as Arsenal fans, you might have yeah. been about to say we're, we're slightly more uh, sensitive to these things perhaps because we've seen it happen with Eduardo and Ramsey and DRB mm-hmm. and we know just how horrible these tackles can be. But yeah, I really did. I really didn't like seeing that. Um, but as you say, I guess it does happen, but I'm glad at least one of them was penalized for it. I mean, in in any case, that the, both those those tackles and the and the red card and and the controversy contributed towards a brilliant sort of demonstration of of the Premier League in general and the Merseyside derby and how Everton are going at the moment. You know, they're flying, mm-hmm. and normally the Merseyside derbies yeah. are quite tight anyway, but. This was a real sense of right. Everton are, are, are matching Liverpool, and even if Liverpool were slightly more dominant, well, yeah, well in went from 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 yeah. Everton. Yeah, and also, I mean, imagine all the fans um, at Goodison Park yesterday. It would have been oh, it would electric uh, with all those incidents. It would have been absolutely nuts. Um, yeah, you're quite shame, right. But it was a great game. Yeah. It is a shame, and it's good that we can still have great games like that without fans. And obviously, it's not the same, but I think yeah. you know, at the, in this current time, it's it's better than nothing. Absolutely. Anyway, if we've covered everything on that, we'll move on to to Chelsea Th- Southampton ending three three, which obviously, as Arsenal fans, we love to see. Great game in the end. Obviously, another goal fest I, every Saturday. It seems there's the because obviously they're spreading out all the games to maximise TV coverage, but the twelve o'clock. 12.30 kickoff and the three o'clock kickoff are just shit, like goal after goal after goal. And maybe it was in the end, as we said, worth the 14.95. Obviously, I'm not going to say that I watched it by illegal means. I do not <laughs> approve of that, but I did manage to catch some some of the game. So yeah, let's, let's briefly chat about that. You mentioned Timo Werner finally. Uh, he scored against Spurs in the, in the Carabao Cup, but this was his first... Well, two Premier League goals, and they were great goals, actually. Real striker's instinct. Kai Havertz looking really sharp as well, I think. He's starting to get into his groove. And as you said previously, defensively, looking all over the place. I know Thiago Silva was out yesterday. And their their new keeper, uh, Eduard Mendy. But Kepa, (laughs) what a shocker. Uh, A nice stat floating around. In In the three games he started in the Premier League this season, he's made three errors leading to direct 
yeah, leading to goals. Statistically speaking, he was defined as the worst keeper in the Premier League last year. And he also, coincidentally, is the most expensive keeper in history. So yeah, what do you make of Chelsea so far? They've obviously spent a hell load of money. A lot of their players are starting to integrate. You know, we see Ziyech come on yesterday. Chilwell's starting to play. Thiago Silva's played a bit. Werner Havertz and Pulisic. You know, they're, they're still very much taking shape. But... In goal and central defence, it remains a bit of an issue. So, yeah, what, what do you make of Chelsea? It's, it's an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, I think you mentioned um, Chilwell and Pulisic in there who've just come back for, for Chelsea from injuries and obviously Chilwell's first couple of games. I think they will make a big difference creatively, yeah. you know, because I think actually when I've watched Chelsea this season, they've obviously got goals in them, but they still sometimes look a bit disjointed. They haven't quite worked out with Havertz and Werner yet. And even if, even if you look at Werner's goals yesterday, he kind of created them for himself. Yeah, um, you're quite right. And I feel like he actually hasn't, he's looked a little bit lost. They haven't quite worked out a system that really suits mm. him quite yet. Um, but obviously it's going to take a bit of time. Um, Havertz and Werner both look like you know, world beaters for the future. But I think, yeah, they, they will take time to settle, but that obviously creates a lot of pressure for Frank Lampard. Um, he's a new manager, but he spent a lot of money. And um, we all know what Abramovich can be like. I think he will stick with Lampard a little bit more than maybe other managers because of Lampard's reputation. But mm. um, but obviously they've spent all this money in the summer, but they've still not fixed that defensive issue. Was it Zuma and Christensen at the back? Zuma and Christensen. It just doesn't really instill a sort of uh, a sense of security, does it? I mean, even with Rudiger or Tamori or even Thiago Silva to an extent, they've got a, a, a collection of centre-backs. I mean... Not, not dissimilar to Arsenal's in the sense that, you know, there's some very competent defenders there who on their day can look very, you know, pass the eye test, but at the same time, so liable to a, to a, a lapse of concentration, a, a big mistake. It just doesn't look that solid. And you think, well, maybe Lampard sort of compensating in an attacking sense, he's, he's just going to go for it. And they do have the firepower to do that. Reminds me a bit of Manchester United. I mean, although their defence should yeah. be better, but, you know, they're sort of not building from the back, maybe. Um, they do have the players for the future. You know, full-backs, Rhys James and Chilwell look, are very promising. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that centre-back position is is still the uh, the challenging one. Um, yeah, but I think, but yeah. also, I mean, yeah, every, everyone was bigging up Chelsea before the season started. Everyone's very excited. And I think, you know, for good reason. I wasn't but, worried. I wasn't worried. Yeah, no, me neither. Because if you look at... Premier League history, how often is it that you've had teams going on these massive spending sprees and actually mm. going on to win the title the next season or even no. succeeding? Take, look yeah. at the most successful signings in the last few seasons. It's when you've already got a solid squad that settled in yeah. and you have Absolutely. big buys. You have you know Van Dyke, yeah. Allison, who yeah. just complete the team and they come into a settled yeah. team and add that something extra. Chelsea are trying to compile a broken team and just have a quick yeah. fix and take time. Um, exactly. I think, yeah. I think it's I think it's important to note there as well uh, when they went on this this spending spree during the summer, the the common the common quote from all the signings you listen to the Havertz and Werner and 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 all the big signings interviews, they sort of say I was sold by Lampard on this three year project and. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's unreasonable to expect. You can you can argue, well, they've spent best part of £250 million. They should be winning the league this season. And I, I don't think that's realistic because of how good Liverpool and City like are. It doesn't work like that. 
And so that is a bit of an unfair pressure. And we do forget that, you know, Chelsea had a transfer ban for a while. They've, they've sold very well. So they were sort of overdue spending, I think, and Abramovich backed them. But, you know, this is a team who over the next few years, perhaps not this season, they should definitely get closer on paper to, to Liverpool and City, which I'm not sure they'll do to the extent to which maybe the spending would suggest. I think they're very much going to be in the, in the battle for top four, as opposed mm-hmm. to like making up ground on the top two. But over the next few years, I think we can expect to see them properly going for it. And I do think come next season, season after, if Lampard can do it, I don't know if he's the right guy going forwards, but I, yeah. don't, I think he will get the time and he does deserve the time. He did a great job last year, to be fair. Um, but I'm not but I'm not overly worried about them because it is going to take time and they've spent a lot of money, which gives Lampard a bit less of a margin for error mm. in a way that is more pressure, even if he's going to be given more time. But, you know... I'd like to see Chelsea, you know, some of those big players. I like the idea of having good players in the league. You know, Ziyech, Werner and Havertz, even Pulisic, are all very exciting players. Yeah. yeah. You know, as long as it doesn't come at, come at a cost to Arsenal, then I'm all for Chelsea having a go. And I'd quite like the idea of Lampard doing quite well at, at Chelsea. It would be a slightly different to, you know, previous managers doing well there. Mm. Uh, it's a work in progress, which I quite like. And it's quite funny sort of seeing Kepa in goal leaking goal after goal and it was a bit like and Southampton yeah, yeah and Southampton scored three times which is great I quite like Southampton as well Danny Ings Che Adams they're going to score goals Theo Walcott as well looking absolutely brilliant yesterday I'm sure uh, uh, for, for the listeners uh, Akas wasn't, wasn't wasn't a massive fan of, of Theo Walcott back in the day Wait, no that's not you no, that was someone else I, I, no, I would say that you know yeah no I would say that I mean I, I think like all of and I've been frustrated with Walcott, to say the least. Yeah, um, yeah. But you can't, you can't take it away from him. He he scored every goal for Arsenal. Um, yeah, exactly. And For on the wing. I think maybe. the problem with Walcott is always that we expected him to be something that he's not. Yeah, everyone thought yeah. he'd be Henri, took the 14 shirt, and it, yeah. it, it wasn't going to happen like that. And he actually yeah. used some big moments at big times and had problems with injuries. And yeah, I think you actually injury. have to look at it evenly and think... He did. He was a threat as well for a long time. Um, I think across Europe, clubs would think Walcott was a threat in the Champions League. The pace, um, absolutely. And he did get goals. So, but yeah, it's a mix. No, it was I, a mix. I, I, can, I completely agree. Um, I'm definitely on the side of of sort of seeing the seeing the positives on Theo Walcott as much as he frustrated. I don't, you know, a player who who racks up nearly 400 appearances and scores over 100 goals for us. I don't think I, I don't like to be negative about that really. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we are touching upon Arsenal, so let's get, get get into it. Let's thrash it out. So, unfortunately, we're not celebrating really today. Um, we didn't break the ducks against Man City at the Etihad. We now, I think it's now 26 or 27 games uh, without an away win uh, against one of the stereotypical big six. I think in that time... Yeah, I can't remember the exact stats, but the stats are, aren't for a, aren't pleasant reading. Uh, finished one 0 I suppose. We remained in the game right up until the very end. We did have some chances. I was listening this morning. You know, we recorded. I think it was thirteen or maybe eleven attempts on goal, which is better than perhaps you'd normally anticipate. We could have had a penalty very easily. Uh, Saka was creating all sorts of problems for City. He looked brilliant yesterday. We looked defensively and, and structurally, tactically quite sound overall. You know, obviously City, I thought, were very sharp yesterday. Mares, Bernardo Silva, Foden, Sterling, 
all just looking so dangerous such i think what my, how i described it yesterday all such wrangly customers they just like r- <laughs> wriggle and wrangle around you they're so like low centers of gravity really tricky customers to deal with normally we don't fare very well at the etihad um we didn't get a point to show for it so it was slightly better in the same way that when we went to anfield we might have lost 3-1 but we could sense it was slightly different. We were in the game, which is very different to perhaps before. But I just wanted to get your initial assessments on some of the uh, the details of the game. So the lineup came out. It appeared finally Aubameyang was going to play through the middle. Then Willian obviously ends up as a, as a false nine-esque figure. Thomas Partey on the bench, which I sort of was expecting, to be fair. Um, and yeah, Aubameyang on the left, and we know how well it worked against Manchester City in the FA Cup semi-final, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really seem like it's working at the moment. So do you have any thoughts about those things, the way that Arteta set well, up yeah. initially? I mean, I, I think overall you could say that the William project didn't, it didn't, didn't work yesterday, but I think, you know, look, we're, we're far west sides, um, man for man than City are. And if you look at our yeah. results, big results against Liverpool and City that we've won in the last few months, I feel like it's always come from a little bit of tactical genius from Arteta by taking a risk, by like yeah. spotting little sort of weaknesses in the opposition side. But yeah. it's hard to repeat those, mm. repeat those kind of patterns of play every time because they work it out. And um, I don't know, we were in the game. I think it's, it feels a little bit more disappointing just because it was quite similar to the Liverpool game in a sense. We were on the back foot, we were kind of slightly dominated, but in the game, but didn't quite show enough. Um, I think especially in that second half, we got on the ball, but we just didn't didn't really have that, that kind of creative spark, which mm. we have been missing all season. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, we were solid at the back and a lot of people have been crying out for that on these away games, just to be Absolutely. a bit more solid, sit in. No. But then now everyone's wants that kind of push forward to be braver, um, it's it's very tricky. It's very tricky, and I think well, it's, it's yeah. easy to criticise. But um, I think for we're, as Arsenal fans, we're very used to to enjoying the attacking threat that we pose, and you know we're so used to those sort of players, and we we acknowledge the fact. Oh well, we're not very good defensively, but at least we can compensate with that on in in the final third of the pitch. And it's almost a bit of a role reversal now, and I think it's perhaps even more frustrating because we have. Mm-hmm. really on paper the players who can can really hurt opponents and I was I was I was the lineup encouraged me yesterday in the sense that it looked as if Arteta was normally in these big games for example he'd go for Maitland Niles over Saka mm-hmm. he'd normally go for Lacazette and not Pepe and this time you know he tried something new with Willian which safe to say I don't think worked and as you say maybe he he thought he'd seen something but it didn't quite work but yeah we 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 did match them quite a lot but they would the difference was that they were just excellent in that final third and they had players who could pick the ball up from deep take on a man fizz it into the final third um, they had that connection between those parts of the pitch, which, as you say, we, 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 we're starting to see that we're really missing at the moment. Um, but I suppose, in, on, on the other hand, it is a positive sign that the general consensus, or at least the sort of reaction that I've seen, is that fans, even Arteta, the players, when we lose games like this now, it, that there's a, an, almost an annoyance and frustration that we know we're capable of, of getting something from these games, like we did, albeit for the, the opponent's dominance against 
you know, when we when we beat Liverpool and City towards the tail end of last season. Um, yeah. But there's a frustration. You can forget. I mean, like you, if you remember that that win against Liverpool at home in the Premier League, we we were very they fortunate. Were that we, we played yeah. last. We were uh, getting dominated, and um, yeah. actually, it was the way that it had set us up to press. You know, have a targeted press on Van Dijk and Allison. Um, that we got our goals and we had we got a bit of luck and yesterday we didn't get that luck we didn't finish our chances and on another day we'd all be praising Hale or Teta but it, exactly. didn't, it didn't go away yesterday but that, that's going to happen against the big teams um, it is going to happen eight times out of ten against City and Liverpool away from home we're still probably going to lose it's just whether we can compete and have a chance and see mm. that there is some hope going into those games mm. because so often we've gone into those games and I'm just in the last few years, it's just it feels you know like a foregone conclusion, and that is the worst thing. It's very um, demoralizing, and and it's not demoralizing. I don't feel, yes, I feel slightly frustrated because of you know we've seen City's weaknesses this season. We knew that De Bruyne was out. We've showed that we can do it against the big sides. All this, all this background build up of can we break the duct? Thomas Party arriving. That the context would suggest that this was the time to to go to the Etihad and maybe play and and really lay down a marker. And perhaps this was a, a, a slight reality check. You know, Arteta feels that he has to do something tinker quite quite specifically to have a chance in a game like this. And it shows that the team is perhaps not at the level where we can we can really turn up at the Etihad and play this free-flowing sort of football. Because I, I just don't think we have we have the team or the established connections in the team to do that. And I think Thomas Partey will, will grow into becoming a, a very important player in that sort of search for cohesion from the midfield and towards the attack. But I mean, Bakai Saka yesterday, I thought was absolutely brilliant the way that he received the ball into feet and would drive past opponents you know drawing fouls he was really unlucky not to score he was he was constantly on the move his defensive work as well I mean all round he was just brilliant I mean Gabriel was very good at the back as well yet again I thought albeit for a few shaky passes but I thought he was very solid we just missed as you said that that creative force that the cutting edge in the final third the the guy who's going to take the ball and carry it up the pitch like to a Bruno Fernandes and it, it, may, it does make me quite jealous at the moment we don't have that player who will take the risk in the final third and and you know we've got I think the, the closest we've got to those guys are, are Pepe perhaps and he's not quite that player but Saka who who will bring the ball and try and create but we don't have a Bruno Fernandes type player who will just he'll risk it in a way that Alexis Sanchez used to, in the way that Aaron Ramsey used to, and, and it's slightly frustrating when they lose the ball a lot. But we just don't have that in the squad at the moment. Um no. and it was, you know, it was a reflection upon our team played very well. I mean, very solidly yesterday. Everyone did their jobs really, but we could not maximize the threat on paper that is posed by Pepe and Abamyang. They were so peripheral. I've started to see Abamyang looking a bit he looks almost slightly frustrated on that left wing. He's not really getting the ball. We haven't seen though. He's, he's, you know, we're slightly surprised that we haven't seen any frustration, but he's just sensed it in his body language um, over the last couple of games. He's just not involved. He has no touches, no attempts on goal. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on, or is there, is there an, any argument against starting Saka on the left, Aubameyang through the middle and Pepe on the right in terms of having our most dangerous and creative direct attacking threats on the pitch 
leaving, for example, Lacazette and Willian on the bench, who are more of the structural guys who will, who will do a job for the team? Do we just need to go for it? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, to me, to me, that sounds at least in the attacking sense, it's more balanced. I, don't, I, I think playing players out of position, it, it can work for individual games, but in the long term, yeah. working as a fluid front three, getting to to know each other and having those kind of little interplays, it's a lot better when players know their position. And I think, yeah, Saka has definitely proved his worth this season so far. He's been incredible, and also I think you'd say he's almost certainly our most creative player. The one who has the most spark and also has a goal threat as well. Has a and on the basis of last game. year, you know, he was our top assist. Yeah. Great. Like, he's a guy who is yeah. our, the creative fulcrum of the team, in a sense. And he, he's actually the, out, out of William, Pepe and Saka, you'd say Saka's the most mature in terms of yeah. um, how he uses, how he gives it and goes and how he mm. chooses his passes. Such it, clever use of the ball. William and Pepe sometimes can be extremely wasteful. I think William was yesterday. It's unfair because he's not in his position. Um, yeah. But yeah, Saka, I think, I think almost because he's young, he kind of, he's, he's, I think, very conscious of how he uses the ball. He's, he's very much been drilled into him. Um, and I think, yeah, he's, he's been really good. So I think I would like to see him start on the left. I mean, I think mm. you saw yesterday that teams are maybe working us out a little bit with the Bamiyang on the left. It was it, it was too easy that you could just put Walker right centre back. He had him in his absolute pocket. It was it was a shame, but Walker was just unbelievable, so dominant and quick, and he always seems like that against us. To be fair, yeah, and I would have liked us. I think we we sometimes do look a little bit rigid in the pitch. We could have maybe made that front three more fluid. You could have shifted the Bamiyang maybe to the right, put Pepe to the left, just for ten minutes of the game, just to cause a bit of confusion, see if their left side of the fence can deal with the Bamiyang and his pace. Um, I don't know. I think we could. I think if you listen to Arsene Wenger, he always speaks about how he'd stand on the side of the pitch and he was never shouting. He'd always wanted to let the players have the freedom to be spontaneous on the pitch, which Arteta is kind of the opposite of. And I think that's fine. I, I do like the passion he shows. But you would say that sometimes if things aren't going exactly as Arteta has planned, do we have those players who are going to take on a bit of responsibility and produce something out of nothing, produce something that the opposition is not expecting. Um, and I'm not sure if we have that right now. Mm. And is it perhaps a case of, look, as as much as anyone, I think I'd, I like the idea of starting Pepe and Saka with Aubameyang down the middle, primarily because it would sort of have on the pitch these guys who who do have that capability of producing something special and and being spontaneous in the final third and perhaps you know a, a word that I've 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 heard used is like jeopardy there's a bit more risk in, in the final third and as you say it's so regimented and and structured mm-hmm. and perhaps look maybe Arteta is you know it's it's very easy to to look at it and I think maybe it's, it's a very valid interpretation of it is that Arteta is perhaps too regimented. He's trying to create that perfect goal with the, with the with the movements, and you stick to your position, and that's it. And like you say, he's shouting from the touchline and stuff. But maybe it is a case of beating that into the players mm-hmm. first and foremost, yeah. laying those really solid foundations. And it might not be pretty for a while. And maybe he he wants to build a team who has have that as their base and then after that you start developing the more expansive attacking patterns and and you work on it because you know we say it was great obviously Menga giving the freedom to the players and letting them do what they want and 
you know, I think that went on too long and maybe maybe that needs some some a bit longer term correcting. But I do agree with you. I think I think if we had a creative sort of link to the to the attack at the moment, it wouldn't be such a problem. And I th- even though that's not party's main game, I think he will definitely help move us up the pitch quicker, take a bit of risk with his passing. But yeah, I I, I completely I know where you're coming from. But yeah, so go what on. do you think about you suggested Saka on the left wing there, but do you not think that he could play in the middle as a kind of cam progress? I definitely, th- I, I I definitely like I long term. I think you know, look, we, we've seen Saka over the last year, and as much he, he's been great pretty much everywhere he plays, and given he's eighteen, but he's looked at his most dangerous and efficient, and I feel like if we're going to maximize his potential most at this moment in time I think it's down that left hand side and I would like to I think he is capable of playing that that inside left sort of three eight role if we were to transition into a four three three which a lot of people seem to think that is Arteta's goal or a four two three one but having those three sort of central ish midfielders I think Saka I could definitely see him there but he he does have to be I think on that left hand side because he's so good at linking the play down that left hand side um, his final ball's excellent. He poses a goal threat. But yeah, I mean, look, at the moment, I think Arteta is still working out. He doesn't have that midfield. And once Party, I think once Party establishes himself in this side, I think we'll then be able to know more clearly what our, what our strongest front three is. Because at the moment, it's almost as if it's it's dependent on or how the rest of the team set up. You know, it's like you play Lacazette and Willian if you don't feel like the rest of the team solid enough because they're going to do a job structurally and tactically. But at least yesterday, he he went at least with with Pepe, which I thought was good. He deserved it, I think, after his cameo against Sheffield United. Didn't really come off for him yesterday. But I do think Partey is the, I mean, no pressure, mate, but he is the guy who's going to come in and and hopefully quite quickly change our predictable, as you say, the patterns down the left. I think it, it, it was sort of been found out now. And I think party being able to come in, hopefully opening up our threat down the right a bit more, moving a Bamiyang centrally and allowing Saka to sort of have, and Tierney to have that free reign down the left where it doesn't have to be so regimented and strict. It can, you can, you can rely on their quality as players uh, to do a job down there. No, I was going to say though, do you think we're putting too much pressure on party? Is he going to be that transformative player that we all are expecting. I think, yes, there's a lot of pressure on him. Uh, not not unfortunately. That's what happens when you pay 50 million euros for a 27-year-old who has been playing for Atletico Madrid in the Champions League for the last two years. He is an, on paper, and I think it's obvious to everyone, he is an automatic upgrade in our central midfield area. And... I think I don't think it's too much pressure because I I think he's a player who 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 is used to it sounds stupid but he's used to being a, a a good player and so I don't think when you when you sign a good player like that I don't think the idea of too much pressure should come into it maybe it will but I'm really hoping that he's a guy who you know he can come in and he's an automatic upgrade whatever he does it's probably going to be a bit better than what we've got at the moment in terms of the benefit for the whole team anyway look we we've lost We've lost against Liverpool and City away, and that's and we've competed at least, but nothing to show for it. Perhaps we were slightly too cautious, but maybe that's just where a sign of where the team is at. And I think more importantly, a reflection of where we might be at 
the next two games, Leicester at home, Manchester United away, which in the context of now look absolutely massive. Because you think of our last five games, prior to that, you'd probably say from Liverpool, City, United away, Leicester and Sheffield United home, if you get nine points out of those 15, you've done pretty well. So if we were to if we were to maybe beat Leicester and Man United, which perhaps more markers of where we're at, we've made you can tell we've made progress against against Liverpool and City, but realistically, you're not really expecting wins from there. But yeah, any final thoughts about about the fixtures coming up, um, about the game in general, how Arteta we talked about how Arteta set up, but yeah, any final reflections of where Arsenal are at on the pitch at the moment? No, yeah, I mean, I agree. And I think I agree about the, these fixtures coming up. They're a better better marker of where we're at at the moment. And I think you'd also say, though, that there's more pressure coming into these games now. On the back of the, these two defeats, which are, they're, they're defeats which you might expect and the decent performances. But if we then go on to lose to Leicester at home, then you know the fans will start, you know, um, being riled up well, a little bit. Well, look, and, and I think a really important point to make, so I to jump in there, is that whilst there's there was pressure to sort of do a bit better against Liverpool and City, and I think that's good pressure. It shows how far we've come. It's pressure in the sense that Arsenal is expected to to stay in the game and then take advantage of any mistakes or breaks or anything like that. When we're playing Leicester and Man United, who are supposedly more at our level. It's like it's a it's a different game for for the team and for Arteta. He can't. I don't think he's going to set up in the same way. He's he Arsenal rest. should should be Arsenal should be putting the game taking the game to United and to Leicester. And I don't know if we'll we'll do that. But yeah, as you say, a lot more pressure to be the protagonists and mm-hmm. make a bit of a statement in these games because as yeah as we both agree, this is an indicator perhaps of where we're actually at at the moment because Leicester are, are, are looking quite good. United last night, and we'll move on to them briefly now. United look very, very sharp going forward, which, you know, we're just not, we, we, we don't have at the moment. And but yeah. The points as well. We need the points. Um, as well as... We do need the we, points. Yeah, exactly. We need to rack them up. That, that race, um, because we don't want to, we've fallen away to, way, way too often early in the season. And, you know, it's, it's, the table looks nice actually at the moment. Um, no one's really mm. pulling ahead too far, and mm. there's a lot of competition in there. But we don't want to start languishing no. further down the table. Um, Absolutely, as well as and you know, I demoralizing. Yeah, and I think you know this whole not winning away for what 27 games or whatever. How and we said this before the City game, obviously. And the longer it goes on, the more sort of important it becomes. It's going to break. You know, we're going to do it at some point, but you think mm. if we. Ugh, when are we going to do it? Could we do it against Man United? You know, we've got that Leicester game. We've got a few Europa League fixtures in the middle, just in terms of maybe getting some minutes into certain players. Um, Arteta's got a bit more time. To be fair, you know, there was the international break. So how long did he actually have to work with the team that he knew was starting um, before the City game? Obviously, I thought David Luiz was great yesterday, but or, or pretty good. Um, holding, obviously, injured in the warm-up. But, you know, the next few weeks, he's with the squad. Everyone's pretty much fit. Party's going to become integrated. I think it's a really big two weeks um, in the Premier League, at least for Arteta and and the progress we've made coming up to nearly a year of his of his um, 
of his management and we can all see the progress but it's like well well are we at that stage now where we can push on and signing thomas party for 50 million euros would suggest that we maybe should be anyway let's move on briefly to manchester united um Ran out 4-1 winners yesterday at Newcastle. Late flurry of goals. Could have perhaps been more after Fernandez shockingly had, had a penalty saved. I mean, it's not shocking that United got yet another penalty. Um, and he also got a brilliant goal ruled out. I don't know if you saw that one. You probably saw a match of the day if you watched it. Um, but in the first half, uh, Mata was judged, I think, slightly offside. And Fernandez took it up on the on the left-hand side and absolutely planted it from about 20 yards into the top right-hand corner. Um, but Rashford was looking as sharp as I've seen him for a while. Um, Bruno Fernandes, typically excellent. was just so forward-thinking. Can't help but envy, as I said before, having a player of his profile and how much that would, that would help us out at the moment. Um, but yeah, general thoughts on United. You know, they weren't full strength in a sense. It was a surprise to see Mata start, but, you know, they had Pogba on the bench. They've got Alex Tellers and Cavani to come in. Maybe, who knows if they're strengthening. They do strengthen the squad. Greenwood was out yesterday. Um, Martial suspended. And obviously it was a disaster last week against Spurs and now looks pretty good again. What are we making in the same way I asked you about? What do we make of Chelsea? What do we make of Manchester United at the moment? They are dangerous going forward. I think they'll have rubbish periods perhaps in the season or poor games, but they've just got so much up top. I think they're, they're, they're dangerous. What do you reckon? Yeah. No, I mean, I, th- I, I do think United's team is actually very strong. And I think there's really there's no excuse for Oli now this season. I, I think if you look at the players they've got up top, Rashford, Martial, Fernandez, Cavani now, Greenwood... And more, you got Matt on the bench as well. Van der Beek, Pogba, Van der Beek, even. yeah. And I mean, that midfield as well is pretty strong, you'd have to say. And they've spent all this money on defenders and Maguire. I think Oli's got to he's got to prove his worth now because um, we've seen we've seen patches from United last season and when Oli first came in, where they've looked really strong and really you know actually mm. quite exciting to watch going forward. But you start to question, you know, with their inconsistency. Is that down to Oli? Does he just have a good group of players and then they have a good, mm. you know, few games and they're kind of a confidence team? I don't know. I think um, the Tottenham loss was pretty devastating. And that is the kind of game which starts to set in motion the kind of mm. process of, of a sacking. And so I think unless Absolutely. United really get on a good run of form, I think Oli is in, in danger. Because um, mm. I, I think if you're going to actually take a manager out is probably this kind of time where it usually happens um, after kind of 10 games or so. And I, really, mm. I, think, I think he might be, you know, under threat in that sense. Look, and, and, and I think on, on that, uh, speaking to a few Manchester United fans and, and just the general vibe I get, I don't think Solskjaer is the guy who's going to lead Man United to the title. I, I just don't think he is. Having said that, I do think he's a guy who can, who can, as he has been doing, overseeing a bit of a cultural transition away from where Man United went wrong. He's instilling some of the, the core values about what it means to be a Manchester United player. And I do think they have enough to, I mean, they absolutely must finish in the top four this season. That's a non-negotiable. And if they weren't to do that, then obviously Solskjaer should, should go. I do think he's, that they. I, I think, unless they have, for example, Pochettino lined up and he's going to come in and they've got someone ready to come in. I, I think Solskjaer, 
you know, if they had lost yesterday and then they lose to PSG on Tuesday, I would have said, right, he's got probably about a couple of weeks to really turn it around. Otherwise, he's gone. I do think yesterday, given we saw pretty, we saw some pretty good attacking football. They were pretty good yesterday, United, to be fair. And given the context of, you know, just this weird footballing uh, disruption that we've got, I don't think Solskjaer's job is necessarily on the line right now. But I do think, as you say, a couple of bad results down the line and he really could be looking at uh, or forcing Manchester United to make a decision. But I think they'll try and stick with him for as long as possible because I don't. I think they can see, and I can see, to be fair, the benefits of having him there. I don't think he's the guy long-term, but I think he, he, he can be a useful sort of screen for them to sort of keep doing what they're doing in a sense. And he does get, a, a, he lets those attacking players do what they want and he's got the players at his disposal to let them do that. And they're very, they're very dangerous and exciting to watch at times. But... Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's quite it's quite satisfying in a way when you before the season you've seen Chelsea and United kind of predicted to be shoo-ins for the top four and challenging for the title. Yeah. Oh, it's such and, a mix. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, you know, if I I thought actually if if either team was going to do that, go and kind of push the top two, it would be United just because they're a settled team and Solskjaer's mm. been there for a few years now. Um, yeah, it's almost three years, I think. And he's got such a good forward line. You would have thought yeah. that maybe, he could, and you'd think that United should be pushing, pushing now for those top two. Um, and that's why I don't know. I, I I almost wonder whether we should be thinking, is Solskjaer the right man? Um, and I I think Pochettino is the obvious. Oh, I agree. yeah, I agree. I I think yeah, they they whenever, and I think it it probably will happen, um, unless Zidane leaves. Uh, Real Madrid or something like that but Pochettino at United I think really long term he's the guy who would win them a title um, I, I don't think they'll do that under Solskjaer anyway enough about United boring United um, just before we finish up let's have a quick preview of the Champions League and obviously European football returning so back to United actually playing PSG on Tuesday um, a nice sort of circular obviously that was the game that sort of gave Solskjaer his 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 United his permanent United contract, um, sort of set them in the motion of of their their good first spell under him. We've also got Atletico Bayern this week, tasty. Liverpool Ajax, tasty. City Porto, very nice. Chelsea Sevilla, so some lovely looking clashes as there always are there. Anyone you're particularly looking out for in the Champions League? I think the United PSG game is going to be it's going to be, should be class. Yeah. Um, Cavani, the, perhaps, involved. Well, maybe. yeah, yeah, actually, that'll be a great story, wouldn't it? But um, just the, the attacking talent on the show. Yeah, great. absolutely. Um, and also, I mean, it's, it should be fun watching Mbappe running at Maguire. Um, <laughs> how Poor guy. That. To be fair, I, I like that he got a goal yesterday. He's had a tough no, time. Um, but it, he is just quite funny and, and I'd love to see him. <laughs> You know, I was as much as I was sympathising with him yesterday. I kept saying to the United fans I was watching the game with, "I just love Maguire to sort of score an own goal. That'd just be hilarious." <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, there's some good clashes to look out for. And then Arsenal in Europa League action. We've got Rapid Vienna at the at the lovely prestiged uh, slot of 5:55 on probably BT Sport three on Thursday, pretty much afternoon. Um, so yeah, we'll see a rotated side. I'm sure probably maybe get some of the returning players from injury. You know, you've got the likes of, well, Mustafi and Callum Chambers 
which is fun. Very, very uh, Alex, exciting. Alex Runa Runason, perhaps, with his debut. Uh, Cedric Suarez, fresh off the back of his under-23 appearance against Manchester United. And then you've got Kalasanac, I guess. Uh, the other the other guys, Maitland-Niles, El Nenny, Nketia, Willock. God, it really does get your blood get your blood pumping doesn't it um but at least we've got a big squad with with a lot of options so we can expect to see some rotation and you know all i want to see in that game is us winning it by a landslide and the peripheral guys getting some minutes under their belts and perhaps people who maybe should be breaking into the team or or challenging having some good performances um but i don't know if we'll see thomas party i think he'll probably be safe for the last game I, i wonder i was gonna say actually on that point I, I can can imagine a kind of uproar on Thursday night when you see party. Mm. Yeah, yeah. May, maybe you do give him a half, or maybe you do give him an hour, and then you take him off, and then you start him against Leicester on on Sunday. I think it is. Um, but yeah, maybe he does need some minutes. Having said, you know, I'm, I'm going to completely turn around what I just said. I expect him to feature on 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 Thursday to some extent, yeah. but. We, we shall see. It's going to be a, yet another good week of football. Obviously, next week we've got Leicester, I think it is, on the stupid £14.95 pay-per-view on Sunday evening at 7.15, which is just great. Um, but I'm sure we'll find a way of watching that, albeit paying money or not paying money. Obviously, pay the money. Anyway, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you very much. ACAS, Max, to our listeners. I'm sure you'll be back on the podcast in no time at all. It's great to have a nice chat with you. Second nature to us, really. Didn't really feel like we were recording a podcast, to be honest. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. It's just like the old days, to be fair. It's a good, been a good excuse to actually have a little catch-up on Arsenal and all things. Yeah, football. exactly. And exactly. But yeah, I look um, forward to coming back. Absolutely. Well, we'll definitely get you back on at some point uh, because I'm sure, that, as listeners would agree, you, you, you provide a lovely little uh, perspective into Arsenal and football in general. And anyway, to, to, to all my all my loads of loads of thousands of listeners, uh, we'll be back same time next week um, on on Tuesday at six o'clock. Um, your feedback would be much appreciated if you are listening and want to get involved. If you're a football fan, Arsenal fan, whoever, send me a message. We can definitely get you onto the show. Send me your thoughts, questions, anything else on Twitter. All links will be found in my Mixcloud and Fresh Air descriptions. And until next time, take care and see you next week. Hutchison, stopped by Platt. And here's Steve Bold. And it's Adams, put through by Bold. Would you believe it? That sums it all up.